And so John gives us this testimony that he writes these things down in the gospel and sacred scripture so that we too would believe, that we too would have faith. And so we see the authority of scripture itself, but it comes and how it comes to us as the word of God, as the word of God, as John writes down. Uh, there's a lot going on in here, uh, but I would first of all say happy Divine Mercy Sunday. And it's a great day to rejoice in God's mercy. It's kind of funny, I was, um, uh, if you don't know the history of Divine Mercy Sunday, it's something fairly recent, uh, a mystic, uh, a mystic nun uh, who died in 1939, right before the Nazi occupation in, 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 uh, from Germany into Poland. So uh, it, she had visions of Jesus, and Jesus would come to her very often. And one of the things that, one of the primary reasons why he came is because he wanted his mercy to be venerated. Uh, see, what would happening is people would celebrate Easter. And Easter really is a celebration of God's mercy. But as human being goes, we're a little hard-headed. <laughs> uh, we didn't get it. We're like, okay, he rose from the dead. That's nice for him. And we didn't see anything in how it applied to us. We missed the whole point that when he rose from the dead, he rose in all his power and his glory to give us his mercy. That was the whole point of it. And we didn't get it. So he, he said he had to establish this feast of his mercy, the second weekend of Easter. So this is actually Sunday, tomorrow, ends the octave of Easter. Octave of Easter is eight days from Sunday to Sunday, a complete Sunday to a complete Sunday, celebrates Easter in the resurrection as if it was Easter. So... Um, so tomorrow kind of completes that day. And, of course, St. Thomas is kind of like the trademark. Okay, St. Thomas didn't see him until the next Sunday, which is tomorrow. So when you look at this reading in the Gospel reading, that first time when Jesus came, that was actually the evening of Easter Sunday. And then the second time when St. Thomas said, My Lord and my God, that was Divine Mercy Sunday. And so it's this coming Sunday. That's the anniversary day um, uh, when Thomas said, my Lord and my God. That's why we have this reading for this weekend. It fits in with the time and the anniversary. So, um, so God wants us to venerate his mercy. And it's kind of funny how it works out. Uh, these readings were chosen long before divine mercy was established. And in this reading, note this, okay? When the 11 there were there without the Thomas, <laughs> um, that first Easter Sunday, he said, receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven them whose sins you retain are retained. So now, 
first of all, receive, though it's not Pentecost where they see the fullness of it, but um, he's giving them the power to forgive sins. Really what it comes down to, to retain too, but now, okay, before this moment, our sins were retained anyways. There, there was no opportunity for mercy before this moment. They were already retained. It's, it's nothing new. What's new about what Jesus says is that whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. Now, this is all part of God instituting his church that he established. He's giving the apostles, the first bishops of the church, the ability to forgive sins in the name of God. Wow. When you stop and you think about that, nobody has ever before this moment and nobody ever after this moment have received such grace than the church. And so it is through the church that God chooses to officially act in his name. It is the primary means by which humanity, by God's plan, would experience the mercy of God. And it would be a very real and actual event where humanity would receive God's mercy. That is the power of the church, and that's why the church is so attacked from without and from within. That's why the devil, you know, a lot of people would say, well, why do I need to go to a priest who's a sinner themselves? That's a reality to it. I don't know any church that's perfect. There is, I hate to say it, but poor Jesus, he's only got sinners to deal with. Only Jesus and Mary were the only ones that I know that were sinless. Everybody else has sins, and so that's who he's got to deal with. But he does not refrain. He does not refrain his mercy to humanity because of the sins of priests. Let me repeat that. This, this is Because the world doesn't understand that, and as Catholics, sometimes we don't understand that. God does not withhold his mercy from you because of a sin of a priest or a bishop or a pope or whoever. God's mercy overpowers the sins of humanity. It conquers the sin of humanity. That's the great news. And, you know, as human beings, we complain about it, but actually it should be a source of rejoicing. It should be a rejoicing that God would still give us his mercy despite our own sins. If God would withhold his mercy because of the sins of a priest, then what confession is good? Is there any hope for anybody ever 
to receive mercy. It would be impossible. And so God wants us to rejoice in his mercy and his goodness. He is so pure and good that he pierces through any sin, no matter who it is. And so we get to go to him and take advantage of his mercy. So how do you take advantage of his mercy? Particularly, I'm going to point to in the church, right? I mean, obviously, we can pray, we can do all that kind of thing. You know, we can go to our inner room and we can pray, but that's nice. But how do we know we're forgiven? I mean, if we go and pray to our room, have we heard the words of Jesus, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? Have we heard those words if we don't go to confession? Then what do we got to bank on? Our emotions? Well, where is that at? We can be wrong with our emotions. It is only through the words of the priest that we can know with certitude that we have been forgiven and then we can move on and put away our shame. It's the devil who wants us to keep us holding on to our shame. But he wants us to be free. God wants us to be free. So going to confession is so important um, to go to confession. Also, baptism. A lot of people don't believe in baptism anymore. Look, in order to be saved, in order to get to heaven, you must be baptized. The church still teaches this. It is necessary for salvation. It is very important. Do not deny anybody baptism and encourage. We can't make anybody be baptized, but we can sure encourage them. You can say your part and then let it go. Remind them every so often if it's your children who are denying baptism for their grandchildren, right? But you don't have to banter them. Just say, I encourage you to do that. Could you please do that? And then drop it, move on. Dropping those seeds, it's a seed. You're not forcing anybody, it's just a seed you're planting. If you yourself have not been baptized, then be baptized. The other part, too, is anointing of the sick. When should you be anointed? Because that's when you receive God's mercy. All forgiveness of sins will be gone and wiped out. So when do you be anointed? Any time you go to the ER. You go to the hospital and you're in the ER, call the priest and be anointed. Don't hesitate. I don't care what it is and I don't care what time of day. If it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you call to get anointed. Be anointed. You can be anointed more than once. It doesn't mean that you are dying, but it prepares you, and it can bring you the physical healing that you need. So by not calling, you might be denying yourself the grace of physical healing that God wants to give you by himself. So whenever you go to the ER, Call the priests. Have the nurses call the priests. 
Now, a lot of times in hospitals today, they can't ask you what your faith is. They might be afraid to do it. So you have to volunteer that information. You have to say that and let your family know if you got children, you know, maybe when you get a little bit older and you're going to be in a care center or something like that, and your children maybe are not practicing the faith at all, and maybe they just don't know, let them know. Make sure they know when you go to the hospital, you want to be anointed. That's so important. Have a funeral. Have Jesus Christ before your very body. That's so important for God's mercy. And it brings healing and consolation to the living. When you think about what a funeral is, the Eucharist is Jesus Christ crucified. Right? I've talked about that many times. Jesus said, this is my body given up for you. It is Jesus as he is dying on the cross for you. When you ask for a funeral, you're having mass for you. And what did Jesus say on the cross? But, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So when Jesus Christ is here in the Eucharist, he is begging the Father for your soul to get into heaven. It is a means to receive God's mercy. Do not deny yourself a funeral. That's so important. It's really important. I know a lot of people are like, well, I don't want a funeral. Look, you want God's mercy, have a funeral. It's false pride to say, I don't want anybody to think of me or I don't want anybody to cry over me. Look, if you've been a saint in this life, if you've lived a life of holiness in this life, people will miss you because you would be a source of Jesus Christ for them. It's not a bad thing that somebody has sorrow. Sorrow in itself is not a bad thing. This world today thinks it's a bad thing. But sometimes sorrow gets us thinking about what is right and good and holy. When we get in trouble from our parents, we have sorrow. But hopefully it makes us think about what is right and good and holy. So sadness is not necessarily an evil thing. And I think sometimes that perpetuates, not the cause of, but perpetuates depression. Because if you think sorrow is an evil to be avoided at all costs, then you never deal with the sorrow. And you never work through it. So have a funeral. It's okay to have a funeral. And my attitude is, if somebody doesn't have the money to do it, I don't care. Myself as a priest, I have been commanded, whose sins you forgive and are forgiven, or who goes, who need mercy, I am to give mercy without cost. 
That's my job as a priest. And by golly, I am going to do that. That is my ordination. That is my being. There's an ontological change in my very being. When I was ordained as a priest, I was ordained. My very life is the purpose for mercy. Don't deny that. Have a funeral. Receive the graces that Jesus would have you give. Allow yourself and the loved ones that you have access to the mercy of God as he designed it in the church and the church that he himself founded.